What a beautiful day. Sun shining, birds are chirping, ground is wet. We have almost a full house, and you're with me this morning to sing praises to God and remember that great sacrifice of Christ. Uh, we have a wonderful audience, a lot of visitors, and that is very, very exciting. Thank you all for being here. Your presence and your singing has, uh, has built me up uh, this morning already, so thank you very much for that. In Romans, the first chapter, we can read of uh, a letter that, wrote, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the church in Rome. Paul had a great desire to go to the church in Rome and visit. We'll begin in verse 9. <clears throat> says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that, thou without that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established." That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So Paul begins this letter uh, to the church in Rome, talking about how much he would, he would like to go visit with them. He, that's his will. That's what he, he wants to do. And, and he lists these reasons of why that he wants to do that. Uh, he, wants to, he wants to see them. Uh, he wants to impart some spiritual gift to them. He wants to strengthen them, strengthen the church there and be encouraged both to him to encourage them and they to encourage him now as we continue to read verse 13 paul says now i do not want you to be unaware brethren that i often planned to come to you but was hindered until now that i might have some fruit among you also just as among the other gentiles I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Paul says, as much as within me, he was ready. Thought a lot about that statement. I uh, had a study here a few weeks ago, and, and, that, was, and that was brought out, and, and it just continued to to ring in my ears. As much as is in me, I am ready. Paul really wanted to go to Rome. Now let's think about Rome. Paul had already been through a lot. He's, he's been persecuted. He's seen uh, fellow Christians persecuted. And his desire is to go into the Rome, the, the very heart of all this, the heart of the, the Roman Empire. Rome is, is a, would be a rough place for Christians place where the uh, likelihood of being persecuted is great. There's great opposition towards Christianity there. But Paul was ready to take that risk. He had a great readiness of mind. Paul had the will, he had the knowledge, he had the love, and he had the zeal. He just needed one thing. Opportunity. And he greatly desired to have that opportunity. And as students of the Bible know, he would eventually get that. He would get the opportunity to go to Rome. 
uh, probably not as uh, he had in his mind, but he would go to Rome as a prisoner. Ephesians 3 and verse 1, he calls himself the prisoner of Jesus Christ as he writes letters in prison, from prison. Paul knew the cost, and he was ready. We often read in, in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, I believe, lists the things that Paul had gone through, all kinds of perils. He had been stoned at Galatia, beaten with rods, chased out of Thessalonica, smuggled out of Berea, and in time, as time would go forward from here, he would be in prison many times. He would receive 39 stripes five times. That's a lot. Just under 200 is my count. He was shipwrecked. He would, he would eventually be shipwrecked three different times. A night and a day he would spend in the ocean just floating, waiting for a rescue. Paul knew exactly what he was getting into. Yet he was, he was able to say, as much as is in me, I am ready. My question this morning is, can we say the same? Can I say the same? Are we ready when opportunity comes along? And there's lots of opportunities, but we have to be looking for those opportunities and we have to be prepared for them. When difficult things need to be done, are we ready? And all through life, there are difficult things that we need to do. There are difficult conversations that we need to be had. You know, in our families, as mothers and fathers, are we prepared to have those difficult conversations with our kids? Are we ready to have difficult conversations with our employers and employees? Are we prepared to have difficult conversations with our friends, those that we come in contact with that we can have an influence on? When an example needs to be set, are we ready? When our family needs to be led, are we ready? When the church needs us for service, are we ready? When the opportunity finds us to share the gospel, are we ready? Do we have what we need within us? You know, all these things require something within us. Anything that's difficult in our lives to do, difficult things to do, difficult things to say, uh, difficult examples to set, difficult times to lead in our family, all these require something within us or we don't do it. The easy way out when there's something that's difficult is just to avoid it, ignore it, hope it gets better on its own, uh, hope... This, uh, this opportunity that we have to do good, maybe somebody else will help them, maybe somebody else will have that opportunity, but the easy thing is just to not. Are we ready? Thus the title of the, me of the message this morning is What's in You? And of course, What's in Me? Paul had the will, he had the knowledge, the love, 
in the zeal to do whatever he was expected to do by God. Whatever he needed to do to further cause the to further the cause of Christ, to help the church, to strengthen the church, to grow the church, to spread the gospel. Nothing lacking. But you know, in me, too often times, there's things lacking. What's lacking in you? What's lacking in me? What's in the way? What's in us instead of what we need to serve God, to do His will? Do we have the knowledge needed within us? You know, if we don't know how to do something, yet we know we, we need to do it, we learn it. You know, there's been a lot, a lot of times in my life uh, really didn't have opportunity to learn much about cars and much about carpentry and, and things like that. And, and as I become a homeowner and raising a family and all, you know, those things come up. And one of the things in 2020 that I learned how to do with all this time on my hands is, is go to YouTube and learn how to do something and then just go do it. And I, and I learned how to do some things. I didn't have the knowledge to do some of the things that I did. I went and got the knowledge. I had the will. During that time, I had the time. I just needed the knowledge. So I learned how to do some of those things and, and did them. There's lots of things we need, we need to do in God's service, but maybe, maybe we don't have, the, don't have the knowledge. In the book of Hosea, we find Israel in a in a very sorry state. They had turned from God, they had turned to idolatry, and it was just it was just in a mess. In Hosea the, the fourth chapter, first verse, the prophet says, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. That's a pretty harsh charge towards God's people. No truth, no mercy, no knowledge. What a sorry state Israel was in. It goes on in verse 6. It says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Let that burn in our minds a little bit. I also will forget your children. This is a timeless principle that applies to all people and all nations that turn from God. You know, the United States, our forefathers, many were Christians. Those words uh, in, the, in the Declaration of Independence, you know, God, the Creator, is mentioned throughout those early years of this nation. This nation was based in, uh, under uh, one nation under God. Yet as a nation, we've certainly left that from it, haven't we? 
It doesn't look like that so much anymore. Once a Christian, a Christian nation has turned to just terrible humanism, which we've heard about a lot. Serving self. Awful decay in the, in the morality of many children and young people in this country. And the reason for it? Their parents, their grandparents have forgotten the law of your God. Forgotten the law, didn't teach their children, and children suffer because of it. And we have a generation of kids in this nation that are suffering because of the lack of knowledge of their parents and their grandparents and their service to God. Much of governmental and intellectual leadership has rejected knowledge, and so its people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And as we see the degradation of the morality in this nation, we can see it. Proverbs 1 and verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's too little fear of God. This nation as a whole no longer fears God. And with that, with, with that, why would it study God's Word? Why would it listen to God? Why would it follow God? has no fear of God. One just follows the other. And there becomes a lack of knowledge, a lack of wisdom. Fear is the beginning of knowledge. Those that don't have it, it says fools despise wisdom. Gone from just ignorance to just flat despising the wisdom of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Popular verse for us. It says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a work, worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to be able to use God's word. Colin spoke last week. He talked about the armor of God. He talked about the sword of the Spirit. You know, if I was having to defend myself and defend my family with a sword, I wouldn't want to do that. I have absolutely no training. I don't know how to use a sword. I haven't practiced using a sword. I may have picked one up once or twice in my life. I was probably at Callan's house. I don't know how to use a sword. And if someone was after me and after my family for my life, and all I've got is a sword, and they're skilled in it, that's a pretty sorry situation that I'm in. Yet too often, if we fail to prepare, if we fail to get skilled at God's Word. We can't be that workman. We can't wield that sword as we need to. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We can't do it without the knowledge and without the practice to develop those skills. So that we can know. So that we can teach our kids. So that we can teach others. So that we can prevent what's happened to our families from what we see in this country, what we saw way back in Israel.
Do we have a readiness of mind within us? Acts 17 verse 11 says, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether those things were so. They wanted to learn. They had a readiness of mind to learn, to soak in that knowledge, to make sure that what they were being taught was the truth. Daily. Readiness of mind. I found a definition. You're not going to find this one in Webster. But I thought it was really good. Should have, I should have put it in the PowerPoint. But it said, readiness of mind. It's knowing what you need to think and getting good at it. And it's spelled getting without the G. Knowing what you need to think and getting good at it. That's what readiness of mind is. Knowing to think on those things that God would have us to think. And when we, do those, when we think on those things, it prepares our heart, prepares our mind to take advantages of the opportunity that we have. Whether it be learn, study and learn God's Word or other uh, acts in His service. Leading our families, whatever those case, the case is, it will help us be prepared for that. 1 Peter 3 and verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Are we ready as parents? When our, when our children start asking us those critical, critical questions concerning God and Christ and the church and salvation, Are we ready? When we're at work, and hopefully they see us behaving in a, in a particular way, in a way that brings glory to God, and they notice that, and they ask us, you know, why do you do that? Why do you take that? Why do you behave like that? Do we have an answer for them? Can we give an answer of the hope that's within us? If someone asks us about the gospel, asks us about salvation, what happens after death? Why we live like we live? Can we answer it? Are we prepared? Are we ready for the opportunity? Is whatever we need within us, is the knowledge within us? Do we have the zeal needed within us? You know, Paul certainly had the zeal. He had the zeal his whole life. As a, as a growing up a Jew and in a power, powerful position. In his mind, he thought he was doing great things in service to God by persecuting Christians. And he was good at it. And he had great zeal. But at that time, he didn't have the knowledge. But certainly, when he met Christ, when Christ appeared to him, when he was blinded, when he heard the voice of Christ, as he became a, an apostle, as he received the Spirit, he certainly had the knowledge 
and he put that zeal to work. You know, maybe we have the knowledge, but we just don't have the zeal. James 4, verse 17 says, Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Those are lost opportunities. And there's so many of them that go by every day. If it's with our children that we're just too busy and, and too tired and whatever it is. If it's with our friends and co-workers that we just don't, don't want to get involved. It's going to be too hard. And so we don't. We take the easy way out. Those things that we know to do good, if we just choose not to do it, it's sin. You know, there's one thing to have knowledge, it's another to use it. Um, we've had several lessons here lately about the parable of the talents. And I think about, and I think about that one talent man. You know, those, those other guys that received their talents, they put it to work and did great things and they pleased the master. But not that one talent man. He didn't do anything with his. He had it. Could have done something with it, but he didn't have the zeal. Titus 2, verse 14. Speaking of Christ, says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous of good works. Zeal means to have great energy and enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an uh, Try that again. Great energy and enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an, ob or an objective. Paul had great zeal. He was ready to take what he knew and do whatever, go wherever, say and do whatever he needed for the cause of Christ. And teaching our kids and talking to others and helping other people as we see them in need and just being kind. Is it within us? Do we have the zeal to do it? Maybe we need some instruction and growing knowledge. Maybe we need, we need help with the zeal and, and just knowing where to start. Ask your brothers and sisters in Christ. If, we need help, if you need help teaching your kids, ask somebody. If you need help talking to others, spreading the gospel, ask somebody for help. Ladies in this congregation do marvelous work. If you need help with that, find one of these ladies. They would love to share that knowledge and wisdom and practice that they have in their lives with you. Nothing greater than that. And that's what we should do as the church so that we can shine. Matthew 5, 15. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We need to let that light shine in a dark world. The world needs us to step up and prepare ourselves to serve God.
in all the different facets in our life that we have. An opportunity to shine, we need to shine. Is it in us? What about love? Do we have enough love within us to do what we need to do? Paul certainly did. Paul had a love for the church. He had a love for lost souls. He had a love for God and a love for Christ. They compelled him. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 14. Paul says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Paul said it compels us. Christ compels us. His suffering and death for all those so that they would live for him and not for themselves. And Paul certainly did that. He was ready to go and do whatever because the love of Christ, his love of lost souls, compelled him. He couldn't help but do it. I wish I could say that. Because I come up with a lot of excuses and lazy way too much. But my love for lost souls and other people in the church and Christ should compel me as it did Christ. This love was the reason Paul did what he did. And it should be the reason we do what we do. Things of this world sometimes get in the way, don't they? Do we have something else within us? It's keeping that from happening. Things of this world can prevent us from having what we need within us to be fruitful. In Romans the 8th chapter, beginning of verse 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What are our minds set on? That's a key. If we set our minds on the things of the flesh, that's what we're going to live after. If we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, that's what we're going to live according to. You know, if you're my age or older, a little younger, maybe you remember Schoolhouse Rock on Saturday mornings. And I remember one particular one that was talking about you are what you eat. It was promoting, promoting healthy eating. We are what we think. What we put in our mind is what we are. Because that's what's going to come out. That's what's going to come out of our mouth. That's what's going to come out of our actions. And that's what the world's going to see. Whether it's a light showing the light of Christ or whether it's just darkness like the rest of the world. 
they're going to see that. And the world, so into the flesh, can certainly cause us to be unfruitful and not have what we need to have in us to serve God. Mark 4, beginning in verse 18. Parable of sower. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for the things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. If you spent much time gardening, and certainly you farmers know about fighting the weeds, they'll just prevent you from being able to harvest, prevent you from, from uh, growing the fruit that you're after. We can't do it when the weeds are overtaking it. We cannot serve God. We can't have what's needed within us to, serve, to take care of our families, to help the church, to serve the church, to serve God. We can't do any of that if the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire... <coughs> excuse me. And the desire for stuff enters in. If that's, what with, if that's what's within us, that's what we're going to get. That's what we're going to sow. If you sow cotton seed, you're going to get cotton. If you sow corn, you're going to get corn. If you sow to the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. If we sow to the Spirit, then it's life everlasting. Spiritual fruit will grow. But it can't if all this other stuff is preventing us from doing the things that we should. It'll make us unfruitful. First John, the second chapter, beginning in verse 15, says, Do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not any. And all that is in the world, and the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. What do we love? What's in us? What are we serving? Self for God. What's taking up all the space in our heart, in our mind, that's preventing us from doing the things that we should? What's in you? What drives our thinking? What drives our conversations? What drives our actions? It'll determine what our life is. It'll determine what our decisions are. Life is a series of decisions. From when I get up in the morning, what am I going to have for breakfast? To huge life-altering decisions, such as who I'm going to marry, Am I going to have a diff this difficult conversation with my kids that I need to have? Life is decisions. For every decision, there are two guiding factors that's going to guide. Love of self or love of God and others. Matthew 22. He was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? 
Christ said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If we'll do those things, all these other things we've talked about, they'll take care of themselves because we're going to do what we need to do. We're going to grow in knowledge. Our zeal is going to grow. Our readiness of mind is going to grow. Our love is going to grow. And all these decisions that make up our life will be positive and they'll be decisions that reflect Christ in our lives. John 13, verse 34, said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What's in us? What does the world see in us? Does it see that we have the knowledge of God? Does it see the zeal? Does it see the love? Does it see the will? Or does it see all the other stuff? that prevent those things from taking place in our life? Are we that special people, zealous of God's good works that we've been called to do? Galatians, the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 7, says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, if we shall reap, we, if we shall reap, if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. What are we sowing? Whatever the world sees, that's what we are, and that's what we're growing. And that's what we've sown. We unfortunately have become a nation that's sowing to the flesh. We as the church cannot be. As we have opportunity, we need to do good to all. And we have to be prepared for that. When we do, opportunities will come. Now, as we progress through life, it's how we live that current stage that, prefer, that prepares us for the next one. How we live in the current stage of life is what prepares us for the next stage. When those children are little and we spat those hands and correct them, we're preparing them to understand discipline and understand obedience and danger. As they grow into children, children, if you honor and obey your parents, that's going to prepare you to honor and obey God when you get into those difficult teenage years. And they're hard. You got a lot of big decisions to make as a teenager. But if you learn to love and serve God and honor and obey Him during those difficult teenage years, 
that's going to prepare you to make those huge decisions, those big ones. What am I going to do after high school? What kind of person do I want to marry? How am I going to make a living? Where am I going to live? Things that alter your life, that alter your service to God, that can have lifelong rewards or repercussions. As we learn as teenagers to honor and obey God, and as we learn to make those difficult decisions, it prepares us when we make those. When we, when we decide what we're going to do after high school and marry and, and as a living. And those wise decisions prepares us to be a godly spouse and a godly parent. And it's during those years that we're raising our families that we can be so very productive for God and the church. When you're preparing your children to be strong in the church. It's those years that so much can be done. Or, so distracting. It can be so distracting during those difficult years as well. Depends on what we do as leaders in our family and teaching our children. But if we do those things, and we learn to be the spouse, and the mothers and fathers that we need to be, this prepares us to be future leaders in the church. And throughout life, we prepare ourselves to be those aged men and women that's talked about in Titus, the second chapter. Those aged men and women that are so important as examples and teachers and anchors for the church and for young families to pattern themselves after. Whatever stage in life you're in, you're preparing for the next. Will you be ready? For those opportunities, we must allow God's Word to guide us. Psalms 119, verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Without God's Word... We're not going to hate the false ways. We're going to go down the false ways. Because we have no guide. You'll think about if you're in the heart of this dense and dark forest. And you're trying to find your way through. And there's lots of danger. And it's dark. And there's l- infinite number of ways that you can go that you can stumble around that you can get hurt but there's one way that's a safe path but it's dark and you can't find it because you have no light but if you do have a light 
that path is going to light the way and you can safely navigate all the dangers through that dark forest to safety. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Has to be our guide. Without it, we cannot expect to grow spiritually, to prepare for the next stage in life, to successfully navigate ourselves and navigate our families through this dark world, and to be fruitful servants. Are we prepared to share the gospel with others? Are we prepared to answer their questions? Or are we living in a way that they're asking? 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready. We read this earlier in the lesson. Are we ready? Can we give a defense? Can we share the gospel with others if we're given the opportunity? You know, Philip was ready. Acts the 8th chapter, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. That Ethiopian eunuch just sitting in that chariot, reading God's word. Philip saw an opportunity, and he took it. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me to be baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Paul preached the gospel. He preached Christ. What's in you? Psalms 90 verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Number our days. Be ready for all the stages in life that comes. Get ready to lead our families if you're not prepared. Get ready to do good to all people as we have opportunity. Get ready to share the gospel with others. Get ready to be a leader in the church. Get ready to be a servant of God. Paul was. He says, as much as is in me, I am ready. Thank you for your patience this morning, your kind listening. I certainly hope that I will apply these things to my life. That I will be better prepared for the opportunities that come my way because they will come. If we're prepared and we're living the way that we should, opportunities will indeed come. If you've been taught the gospel but you haven't obeyed it, we'd certainly invite you to do that this morning. You can come forward, you can confess Christ before this audience, you can repent of your past life, and you can be buried with Him in baptism and allow the blood of Christ to wash away your sins, and you can leave here a child of God ready to grow and ready to serve and ready to be fruitful. Maybe you've done that, but you have another need in your life and you need help, you need the prayers of the church, we'd ask you to come forward as we stand and sing.